Welcome to the Living Out Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Steele, where queer thought leadership meets social justice and well-being. As a personal leadership and life coach, I help GBTQ men use their difference to make a difference, to lead others in creating a more humane world. You can find out more about my coaching and listen to previous podcast episodes at darrensteel.com and check out my magazine on Medium, Think Queerly. So what is gender? Are there only two? Are there more? What's the difference between sex and gender? Big question to ask here to start this discussion is where does gender exist in space. Now, the other day I was browsing my Facebook feed and I must say I've been trying to spend as little time on Facebook as possible and Twitter as well. I am really finding that it is just not the best place to have conversation. Um, I mentioned this in my last podcast about how people are too easy to jump to conclusions and try and dominate with their opinion. So this same person from the last podcast that I was referring to, who's a bit of a provocateur and does sometimes challenge people to think differently, posted a meme on his page uh, saying something like, well, it's really difficult to uh, try and make friends here on Facebook, given how many people follow me and I interact with. So let's just cut to the chase and make it a lot simpler. And then he posted this meme that says there are only two genders dash science. And, you know, I was thinking, how do I want to respond to this? And I decided that I'm not going to respond to that post directly. I'm not going to even highlight that I'm doing this uh, podcast here. Instead, what I want to do is to talk through my thoughts about not just so much what gender means, but the problem with the limitation of how we think and this construct we have called the binary that shows up in all things that are our life. We have up, down, left, right, good, bad, man, woman, masculine, feminine, gay, straight, and in between all of these things, is space. Which goes back to my original question, where does gender exist in space? Sex, we can actually physically quantify. We can see it, right? We can say, huh, there are genitalia of one type or another. Now, to say that science says there are only two genders is categorically incorrect because that is not what science currently says, and science is biased in its own way, and that it does come from the eyes of the people that are doing the research, but there is, a, there is enough research out there that substantiates that there are more than two genders, and it's not even research, per se. I should probably back up and qualify that, because this is historical awareness that throughout history, throughout culture, there have been what many may just loosely term gender tricksters within the space between. They dared to present 
to think, act, perceive, talk, and communicate in ways that showed that these dominant forms, these status quo norms of man and woman, of masculine and feminine, are conceptual constructions. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, I go back to thinking about a post that I wrote and a meditation that I recorded. The meditation was a conscious meditation on the gap. And in that, I say, when we experience the space in the gap as the true nature of the universe, we will no longer see duality. Now, the gap is commonly used within sort of the vocabulary or the way of explaining aspects of meditation as that space between thought and no thought, or thought and non-thought. It's very different than thought and not thinking. It's just that moment where sometimes you catch yourself and you're like, whoa, where did I go? Well, that's that's kind of a little bit of possibly daydreaming. But I'm speaking about when you are doing a focused meditation, focused perhaps just on breathing, or maybe on a mantra, or maybe just on a count of in for one and out for two, or counting to ten. When we go into this gap, it's kind of like a nirvana. It is this momentary expansiveness which is the true nature of the universe. I don't know how else to describe this. We are all made up of cells, and these cells, at the microscopic level, the space between these cells, and these cells at the subatomic level have even more space between them. And then when we keep drilling down, all we see is space. And that which we call matter, according to physics, makes up an incredibly small portion of what we understand as the universe. And perhaps just our way of being able to understand the world at the most basic level from 10,000 years ago when we were far more tribal or being kind of herded and controlled by uh, the nobility or the rulers of the time We tried to enforce boundaries and rules and limitations. And the easiest way for us to understand that was in a right or wrong sort of way. And when patriarchal power started to take over from the matriarchy, from women who perhaps had, we believe in some cases of history, more influence there was this demonization of the feminine. The feminine became subjugated to the masculine. It went to the far end of what was considered good, all things masculine, power, ability, privilege. But when we come back to this space between all things, and I know this is really like heady and conceptual, I want to read a few things that I I, I wrote in my post, The Conscious Meditation on the Gap, that there is nothing but space between all things. So there's nothing but space between worry and fear, between love and hate, between 
acceptance and rejection. There's nothing but space between right and wrong. And when we use those comparisons, it's like, what exists in this space? And how much space is there between these two absolutes? Take the example of a car accident happening, and there are five people who witness the car accident. Depending on where each of those people were standing in relation to the argument, what they were doing beforehand, their level of attention, at what point they saw the car in motion before it became part of an accident, and what sort of emotional state they were into in at the time when they witnessed the accident. There are so many variables that go in that in then influence that person's perception, right down to maybe if that person witnessing the accident saw that it was a female who happened to be of Asian descent, maybe they would have a prejudiced reaction. But in between all these things, who's right? Who has the most right perception of the accident that happened? Because maybe three of the five people said it was clearly the fault of driver A, but two of the five say, no, no, it is so clear that it was the fault of driver B. There is a lot of space between the possibility of not only who is right and wrong, but the perception of what is right and wrong. And for us to say that there are only two genders indicates a limitation in our ability to think more largely, more conceptually, to understand who we are as human beings and our capacity to express the best of ourselves in not only how we view the world, but what we find erotically charges us, how we wish to feel the most free in the way in which we speak and our mannerisms and our characteristics. So why is it that almost naturally I speak in this way? And when I say almost naturally, have I learned to speak in this way because I've had shame about being gay and I didn't want to sound gay? Well, sometimes I listen back to my voice and I hear what I would call gay notes or a gay tonality. And there's been some interesting research done on that. But my mannerisms, generally speaking, are pretty neutral. I guess you could say more on the masculine side, if we're going to use that terminology. Now, what about the self-prescribed gay man who is naturally effeminate, so comfortable with both appearingly, appearingly, with both appearing to move to speak and sound more like a woman or feminine. And we use this extreme of the binary, this dominant way of thinking, to find the space in between in which to provide more labeling. For anything to change, for hearts and minds to feel and think differently, we need to learn to be comfortable with that that seems uncomfortable. And that would be the space between. Because I don't even think this is a line. 
This is more like a cloud of possibility, a multi-dimensional cloud that has more dimensions than we understand and is maybe best exhibited in the individuals who challenge the norms of gender and call themselves trans or non-binary or whatever the case may be. And the only way we can see these possibilities is to spend more time in the gap, in the space in between. We have to find ourselves and pay homage to and bring our attention to witnessing everything that falls in between the absolute on one side and the absolute on the other side. And to understand that this construction of one side and the other is a construction. It's a concept. It's how I've been taught, and there's limitations in how I've been taught, to how I'm expressing this. But I'm trying to open up the broader conversation to recognize that duality is not a universal construct. It's simply a fabrication of our minds. And we see it in the natural world. We see night versus day. We see winter versus summer. Fall versus autumn. We see the trees in bloom and the trees in hibernation in the winter. And this potential need to protect ourselves from the outside world, from the elements, may also have led to us feeling like we need to protect ourselves from that which we don't understand. Who are these trans people, you say? Somebody called themselves some weird word, and I'm like, no offense to trans people, but... Who are these people just calling themselves whatever they want? That's not something I said. That's something someone wrote in in the, the thread of comments on that original Facebook post that I referred to at the beginning of the podcast. And I read that and I cringe. Because there's this limited thinking like, I'm not racist. I have friends who are black too. <sighs> The juxtaposition of the need to feel like one person is right and more right over another is, I think, at the moment in time, 2019, and and not just 2019, building up to this, we are a culture of, look at me, I'm on Twitter, I'm tweeting, I'm on Instagram. It's all about the individual, and it's all about the ephemeral and the quick tweet. There is no more 15 minutes of fame, a.k.a. Andy Warhol. It's like 15 seconds of fame, and people are fighting so hard to be heard and to be seen that this desperate need for being seen in this capitalist social media structure creates kind of this hierarchical dominance of I'm right, I'm the best, I have the most important thing to say, and it creates more combativeness, more mob mentality and groupthink, and people just saying, yes, that's true. There's only this, there's only that. 
because maybe you only have 128 characters or whatever it is on Twitter in which to respond. It's not like we can't use those potential social media tools to communicate, but this is what I mean by me backing off and recognizing that this podcast for me is a place where I can take the time to try and explain my way of thinking that I could not do in a tweet, that I could not do in a comment within a thread within somebody else's post on their Facebook page, right? It's too many layers down. This gap, this space between what we've come to understand as a binary is multidimensional. It has no boundaries. And this is what we can call queer. That it may just be the best word for another word for the gap, a contrast to all the layers of dualism and binaries that we've constructed. Because dualities and simple binaries, not observing the space between, holds us back from from the potential of, of getting close to an absolute freedom and the ability to express our, our, ourselves, our creativity, and all that is possible. Think of queer as expansive, and while it might sometimes be labeled odd or different by people who do not label themselves or accept the word queer, that's because they're not looking at the space in between. They're stuck in the dualistic model. They seem to need to define and to give name to limiting concepts to compare something to something else as either good or bad, less important or more important. This status quo is like a big box that you get delivered to your door from Amazon. Let's imagine for a moment that it's a really big box, like you could crawl into this box, and so you do. You empty the box of its contents, and you get into the box, and you have somebody close the lid for you, and it's dark. And a lot of people live their lives like that. And the box, when you live in the box with the lid closed, that's often living within the confines of a very religious dogma or ideology, or perhaps a political ideology uh, that may be enforced upon you and you don't even realize what's outside of the box because that's how you've grown up and you've been indoctrinated to believe that that is the truth. But for whatever reason, if you're able to open up the lids, you pop your head out and and you see that there is much more. You see there is more space than the confines of the limitate, lim, limited space that you had within the box when the lid was closed. And when you step out of the box, you start to venture into that greater space. Kind of like a, a cat or a dog introduced to a new home. They, they sniff things out. They start to get more comfortable. They have to pattern where things are so that they feel like they could that this will be their home that they they know the limitations of that which then becomes their den their home not dissimilar to somebody who just lives in the city and never leaves that's a status quo box they never venture out they never discover they never imagine they never see all the difference and possibility and cultures and cities and and newness and new restaurants and everything that a new city or a new country or a new culture would bring. But we are Russian dolled into several boxes deep when we 
break free of one box that is the status quo, we've got another, and another, and another, and another. And anyone could very easily draw my attention to something that is a limited framework or concept of thinking that I may have, and please do, in a nice way. (laughs) Help me understand what I'm not understanding. Help me create more space in my own thoughts. When we allow for all of the space that exists between how we have been thinking in this binary way, we'll begin to understand that there isn't such a thing as duality. It's not a real thing. It doesn't exist as a physical thing. It's a mental construct. And it's perhaps a difficult way to think because it really does require someone to look at what they believe, what they're expressing, how they are falling into the trap of, of, of simply agreeing with what other people say. Looking for that space in between requires effort. And a lot of people don't have time and they're busy. But perhaps my recommendation would be that there's very little value in saying, I agree with you, or that statement is true on social media. Other than you need someone to see you. And when you need someone to see you as coming in and just saying, yes, I agree, I'm, I'm giving my rubber stamp of validation to someone else's statement, you're not interacting. You're being a follower. You're not questioning. You're not looking at the space in between. You're not saying, hey, I'm not quite sure about this, or, or where did you get this quotation from, or why did you decide to post this today? What is that you would like the outcome to be by putting this here on your Facebook page? We will only see the potential for every person to change and evolve in ways that serve all of us if we allow for the space to be seen, if we allow ourselves to exist in that discomfort of that space between what we call duality, what we call the binary. It is definitely up to the individuals who don't see themselves fitting into those labels to thus identify as who they are. But it is just as much a responsibility for anyone who sees that person to simply take them at their word because that other person is saying, this is who I am. Please accept me as this way in which I identify. And I think the morality of the individual to assume that I can tell another person what they can and cannot be when it comes to their gender is arrogant, misguided, and wrong. If you enjoyed this episode of the Living Out Podcast, would you rate it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen? 
And if you know someone who you think would benefit from listening to this episode, share it on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And to leave me a comment or ask me a question, head over to my website at darrensteel.com for all of the show notes, any additional links, and the opportunity to interact with me. I'm Darren Steele. As always, live out and live proud.